0: You're listening to Bible Truth Feed, a podcast by Christadelphianvideo.org for Christadelphians and all those seeking the truth about the Bible message. Join us now as we present our latest episode. God's good news for the world. This is the latest podcast. The Gospel message is explained describing the fall of man and the work of the Lord Jesus Christ for our salvation and the benefits of the kingdom which is to be established upon the earth. To take part in the kingdom, learn from God's word, the Bible, have faith in the message, repent, be baptised and follow the Lord Jesus Christ in your life.
1: God's good news to the world is my title, and um, as Brother Andy introduced uh, in the beginning, we haven't heard very much good news recently, uh, especially when we consider the COVID um, new cases number increases dramatically. Um, good news uh, it normally refers to something like an improvement to the current situation or a solution. To a complicated issue. Um, Let's consider what if tomorrow morning when we open the newspaper, we see the headlines say something like, uh, we finally find the cure uh, to the coronavirus and we don't have to wear masks. Isn't that a good piece of news? Um, But, you know, when we consider on a larger scale, this world has been uh, expired, sorry, expected a lot of good news because they have so many problems such as hunger, uh, pollutions, uh, corruptions, and um, you know, wars and death. But tonight is my hope to introduce the good news uh, from the Bible perspective. And I want to introduce uh, in these following steps. So I want to introduce what the Bible says about the good news of God and in what way it is good Well, you know, uh, this will probably, uh, I will spend most of time to explain this process. And um, at the end, uh, we will introduce how we can be part of it. But before we start, I want to establish these two important premises. Firstly, God exists and Bible is the inspired word of God, which reveals his plan and purpose. I know some of you may think, I'm actually not really sure whether there's a God, or some of you may think, oh, actually, I actually believe there's a God, but I'm not sure if the Bible is reliable. So, is this talk still relevant to me? My answer or suggestion would be yes, because um, at least from tonight's pre- uh, presentation, you will understand what the Bible says about you know, the, the good news. And once you establish that, the, the starting point, the premises, once you establish those two premises, as the same as I do, then you will draw the same conclusion as I do. All right, let's start. Because all my presentation will totally from the Bible, and my scriptural evidence will be uh, my main approach. Let's start from this verse in Luke 2:10. Uh, we know we are in a holiday season, and um, a lot of people celebrating Christmas that's actually from um, the Bible and uh, is referring to the birth of Jesus Christ and here in Luke chapter 2 verse 10 we read and the angel said to them fear not for behold I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people you see here good news for all the people that's where our um, title comes from tonight the table below shows that um, you know, the, the word for good news in Greek, and uh, we have two, two words in, um, here. Uh, well, As you know, the New Testament was originally written in Greek, um, so uh, approach the Bible, uh, you know, it's better to come back to the original uh, text. The last column here uh, indicates how many times the words are used. Um, and the middle, col- the, the, the column in the middle shows the definition of the words. So there are two forms. Either you preach the good news, well, that is gospel, or it's the good message, that is the gospel. My approach tonight is to find a few verses that the good news or gospel that has been used so that we can know, um, maybe find a few verses where we can find the description or even definition of the good news. Uh, It's like you solving a jigsaw puzzle when you see on the box there's a bunch of red roses, then maybe starting collecting those pieces with red patterns will will get get you closer to the truth. So that's my approach. Firstly let's start from this verse. Uh, please turn to Acts 8, verse 12. Um, tonight, I won't ask you to turn many uh, pages, but um, I think Acts and Galatians are the mainly um, the source we will address because the book of Acts uh, records all the first century uh, apostles preaching the good news. So that's a place where we can find the most definition from. Uh, I'll read that for you, um, but when they believed Philip, as he preached the good news about the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized both men and women. You see here, uh, it's the good news that we are looking at, and here introduced two elements or two halves of this um, word good news. Include the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ. Is that the only case? Well, at the end of this book, uh, in, ver- in chapter twenty eight, at the end of um, uh, Paul's life, we, we, we read he lived there uh, two whole years at his own expense, and welcomed all came to him, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the, the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness, without hindrance. You see. Apostle Paul here uh, Preached or proclaimed the same thing as what Philip did So the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ So now our goal becomes to approach those two elements and to in in order to understand what the king what what the good news or gospel is What's the kingdom of God? This is not a simply a New Testament concept It's actually um, there are a lot of Old Testament passages prophesied about this concept of kingdom of God. Daniel 2 verse 44, when we read, And in the days of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that shall never be destroyed, nor shall the kingdom be left to another people. It shall break in pieces all these kingdoms and bring them to an end, and it shall stand forever. So by this verse, what we have learned is this is, world, this is going to be a worldwide kingdom that God will set up in the future. And this kingdom will stand forever, will last forever. And this kingdom will be given to a special group of people because the, the kingdom stand forever. And the, the kingdom will be given to this group, not left to another group. That means that group, peop, group of people uh, will certainly have some um, long life. So what will the kingdom be like? Um, As I said, there are many passages in the Old Testament describe this wonderful kingdom. We can just categorize them in the following aspects. In Psalm 72, we read um, about this kingdom that food is abundant. Everyone has food to eat, so there will be no more henna. And the environment will be totally restored, like the desert will become an oasis. the, the, the wilderness will, have, will be full of the springs of water And there will be a universal justice Because there will be a king uh, who is righteous And judge with the justice There will be no corruption And I like this one particularly um, There will be no wars When we read in Isaiah 2 verse 4 He shall judge between the nations And shall decide disputes for many peoples And they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hoops Nations shall not lift up sword against nation Neither shall they learn war anymore You see, not only there is no war But also there will be no place to learn how to make war Not only that I think this is probably the most wonderful thing In Revelation 21 verse 4 we read He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. This is a wonderful thing because there will be no more death, no more disease, no more sorrow. But I don't know whether you think in the same way, but in the beginning, when we when I approach those verses, it sounds so so foreign to me because. It doesn't really um, have any, um, I guess, common experience as I have in nowadays in this world. Um, also, it, it does sound a bit you know, too good to be true, but is that real or is that just a dream? I, I invite you to uh, examine a bit further because at the end of this talk, you may draw the same conclusion as I do. The kingdom of God is not only possible. It, it is the only logical thing to come. So we have talked about the kingdom of God. Now let us have a look on the name of Jesus Christ. Um, the name of Jesus means Yah shall save. Jesus bears the name of God, and His name means God will save this world. Christ comes from the word uh, Greek word Christos. It means the the one anointed. In the old time, um, when the kings are chosen. uh, Chosen, uh, normally a horn of oil will be poured on their their head to indicate this man is chosen. So uh, uh, Christ means anointed. It's equivalent to the Hebrew concept of Messiah. So so by definition or by name, by the the meaning of the the uh, name, uh, Jesus name, uh, sorry. the Jesus name means God's chosen one to perform his salvation. Is that just our guess? Can we find any Bible evidence? Well, this verse in Acts 4 uh, from 8 to 12 is a conversation from Peter. Uh, you know, we, we read a lot of uh, first century Christians, uh, especially those apostles, they, uh, they preach the name of Jesus Christ. Let's have a look on what he said. The context of this conversation is that in the previous day, uh, Peter used the Holy Spirit power to heal a crippled beggar. And the next day he was brought to uh, this council and asked him to explain what actually happened and why he did that. This is what he said. Then the Peter filled with the Holy Spirit and to them <clears throat> and, and said to them Rulers of, of, of the people and elders, if we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man has been <clears throat> healed? Let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by by him the man is standing before you well. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone and and there is salvation in no one else, For there is no other name under the heaven given among men by which we must be saved. So you see, in this conversation, Peter is actually preaching not only the name of Jesus, but also um, his name is the only name that has been given to save mankind. Well, by now, we know the kingdom of God is a wonderful kingdom, and the name of Jesus Christ means God's salvation, to all mankind, and he is, his name is the only means, only name that has been given. But you may wonder, saved from what? Well, I know he's a saver, but what, what are we supposed to be saved from? I guess this is a, a question we probably have thought about in the past, but because we couldn't find an answer, then we, we tend to throw them away or in the, you know, just back our, our brain. But we all know, we all have. A definition or a de- destination which is stark, which is somewhat disgusting when we, bo- when we were born we are, we are young, we are energetic, but while the pa- time passed by, we were gradually starting explain uh, or ex- experience this kind of uh, concept of death uh, maybe it's from our pet. one day our pet maybe start breathing, start moving, not as you know movable as it used to be, or maybe our friend or our family, whom we probably just visited a few days ago, and all of a sudden we see no more i don 't know about you, but when i when I grow to a teenage age, I guess um, that 's the time I start to think of these finite or uh, ultimate questions and You know, like where we are from and who I am and where we are going to and I have always this struggle to appreciate why people have to die. Uh, Atheists will tell you, well, because everything has a start, has an end. This is following the law of nature. But you see, even this explanation, if we can call that explanation, it doesn't explain why. It only describe what we already know, but why we, we die and what is this law of nature? Well, is that, is that real or Who established this, is that, uh, the, the law of nature and or is that because we meet certain conditions, then we follow this law, we got the death? Or is that possible that if the parameters have been changed, then we go through a different, cha- different channel and get a, quite opposite result? Is that possible? I guess it is. Um, But before that, let's have a look on what the Bible says about death. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 19, we read the first time uh, about the death. So I read it for you. By the sweat of your face, you shall eat bread till till you return to the ground. For out of it, you are taken for you are dust, and to dust, you shall return. See, this is Coherent with our experience. We breathe. We take in, uh, you know, when we eat all kinds of earthly material And we produce energy to sustain our life But when we die our organs stop functioning and Then our body goes back to the original form which is dust or earth, whatever you call that but what about my thoughts i know my body would would decay or perish what are my thoughts that's not earthly that that's certainly uh, maybe beyond my body and i was told that you know people can go to heaven after they die or go to hell um is that true let's have a look on what the bible says ecclesiastes chapter 9 verse 5 and 6 for the living know they that they will die but the dead know nothing and they have no more reward for the memory of them is forgotten. Their love and their hate and their envy have already perished. And forever they have no more share in all that is done under the sun." You see here, after die, um, you know, everything stopped. It's a totally uh, a stop of life. Um, it's as, as our body died, our brain, um, will stop working and everything stored in that brain will perish as well. Our love, our hate, our feelings, our emotions, either happiness or sadness, they will all be gone. There's nothing left. Now we see the, what the Bible says about death is what we see now in everyday life. When, when someone dies, we stop seeing them anymore. But again, that question still remains, do we really have to die? Is that the only option we have? In order to understand that, I think we need to know why we have to die. So now please uh, turn to Genesis chapter uh, 3 is where I want to start this examination. In the beginning, God created everything, heavens and earth and everything within it. On the sixth day, God created man, Adam, and the woman, Eve. He put them into the Garden of Eden, asked them to keep it uh, and work in this garden, and gave them permission to eat of the fruit uh, from all the trees except for one tree, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. The consequence of, of eating it is death. Um, it's very clear rule. But... Um, what, what Eve did um, after she was deceived by the serpent, as we can read in this verse, um, the, the serpent deceived Eve with a lie. And when we read uh, in verse 5 here, But the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely, surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God knowing good and evil. You will be like God, knowing good and evil. That's something really triggers um, Eve because the following verse we read, so when the woman saw the tree was good for food and it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took off its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. So, yeah, when we start reading these verses, we we notice that um, God put this tree of knowledge of good and evil in the garden and then tell Eve, or Adam and Eve, not to eat that tree. Well, the question we normally hear, or... Myself will ask is does that mean God doesn't allow man to be like God or to know good and evil? That's certainly not true because the first chapter in Genesis. We were told men and women were created uh, In the image and likeness of God. So man was created with this purpose and expectation to be like God but What Eve did? Probably cannot achieve that because let's, let's just think of this question. How can, how can we be like someone? In order to be like someone, we need to think in the same way as he does. We need to say the same thing in agreement, agreement with him. And then we need to take the same action. And if he says not to do something, we follow that rule because we don't want to be contradictory to his will. You see here, when Eve take, took the, the fruit, what he actually did was against God. And that, by that very action, he couldn't be like God anymore. But what about knowing good and evil? Why couldn't Eve to eat this tree to know good and evil? Well, God knew, knows good and evil. And we know the angel knows good and evil. So men were expected to know good and evil. But why couldn't we eat that fruit? Only because God says you couldn't. Because let's just think, the first thing when Eve took that fruit and ate, what did she know? She immediately knew good and evil, but from the evil side. Because now she knows that she has sinned sinned against God. That's where it really went wrong and but we now know god adam and eve they took the fruit they sinned against god but what led them to sin we have see here there are quite a few desires Um, the first john chapter 2 verse 16 tell what explains uh, these three inflamed desires for all the uh, for all that is in the world, the desire of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world Desire is not necessarily a bad thing But if we are not careful enough, we follow those fleshly, selfish desires Then we, we will do something that are against the will of God That's where it went, uh, went wrong And in James chapter 1, verse 14 to 15, explains this process of from desire to sin and then ultimately death. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, uh, when 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 it has conceived, gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, brings death. You see this process from desire and sin and death is exactly what happened in on Eve when she saw the fruit was good for food and the delight to her eyes and the desire to make her wise, she took off that fruit. The, the very action she, she reached out her hand, grasped that opportunity to be like God with her own strength is making her sin. And because she sinned against God, the consequence of that sin is, as stated in the beginning, death. In Romans 6, 23, has another slight variance on the same principle, but in a figurative language. Here we read uh, as as if this sin is a master and man works for this master, but what he gets paid is finally death. For the wages of sin is death. (coughs) Not only Adam and Eve have this problem, because they are the first couple created on this earth, and every one of us is a descendant of them. And because they sinned, they die; and we all sin, and we all die. Romans 5:12. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. I thought it might be helpful just to draw this um, flow chart to indicate, see, in the beginning there are desires, but because Adam or Eve, they're not really careful, they dwell on these desires, and they follow the desires, and even though they know this desire lead them to to sin against God, but they still took the action to sin, to, to disobey God's commandment. And the consequence of that uh, action is death. And because Adam and Eve, they sinned, they die. We all sinned, we all die, because we are the descendants of that sin. Now we understand this process. Um, we we th- thought about the death is really bad thing. How can we solve that problem? Well, we probably cannot, but we, at least we know death is not the real problem. Death is just... A symptom of this issue. The real cause is in the beginning when we have that desire. And, and, when we, have that desire and we, we forgot what the God has said to, to us, and that's because disbelieving God, the lack of faith, that's where we should really focus on if we want to solve this problem. So now we say uh, Jesus is the savior. How can he save? Let's just keep reading on Genesis chapter 3, verse 19 we read, sorry, not verse 19, verse 15 we read, God has this solution, he offers a plan to solve this issue, and the very thing he will solve is that sinful thinking, sinful way of thinking. Verse 15 we read, I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head, and he shall bruise his heel." You see here, uh, there there are two um, types of people. Serpent represents this sinful way of thinking, woman in the beginning when she stated the will of God, the truth, so she represents God's truth, and the seed of woman, the seed of serpent respectively represents all those who are following different uh, thought, different thinking. Um, But one day God promised there is one particular offspring will come back to the beginning to solve solve this um, very issue, which is that sinful way of thinking. He will bruise the head of the serpent where, you know, serpents think. And as a sad effect, the serpent will damage his heel. And, um, yeah, how, how did Jesus conquer sin? We read in this verse, uh, in Hebrews 4:15. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who is in every respect, has, has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. He was the promised seed and how did he conquer sin he never give any chance for sin to have dominion on him he always followed the will of god in his whole life but we may think well this is ongoing battle because as long as jesus live that sinful nature is within him and he has to have this you know battle constantly with this sin then how can he finally conquered this sin at, at what point He win this battle In this verse in Hebrews 2.14 We read his final triumph Since therefore the, cho- the children shared In flesh and blood He himself likewise Partook the same, na- same things That uh, through, through death He might destroy The one who has the power Of death That is the devil you see here, as long as Jesus leaves, he will never say he win, he win the battle. Because the sinful nature is within him. But at his death, at that very point of death, he not only sacrificed himself, but also he put, de- put the sin to death. From that point, he will never sin again. Remember, we just established that um, um, principle just now. After death, there's nothing. So Jesus will never be possible to sin after his death. But because his whole life has demonstrated his faith to God, God raised him by his righteous because he never sinned. So the wages of sin and death rule is not applicable to him. And it's for God's righteous and his grace he raised his son. Well, it's great Jesus can save, but can he save us? I know I have my problem. He, he, he triumphed, he, he, he won the battle with sin, with sin, but can he save us? Now, let's, let us come to today's reading in Galatians chapter 3, verse 8. And the scripture, <clears throat> foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, Preach the gospel um, beforehand to Abraham, saying, "In you shall all the nations be blessed." You see here. Um, if someone asks you, "What is the gospel?" Here, maybe a, a good um, nutshell, like a you know one sentence answer: "In you shall be, uh, shall all the nations be blessed?" Because that's what has been preached to Abraham in the Old Testament beforehand. And What is this, be blessed? What does that mean? Well, it simply means happy. But let's see what the Bible says. In Romans chapter 4, verse 7 and 8, explain this status of being blessed. When we read, blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord will not count his sin. You see here the process of being blessed is their sins are forgiven. The sins are not um, counted where they are forgiven. But um, why this sin can be forgiven? Under what base basis the sins are forgiven? Let's just go a bit further uh, back uh, on the verse 3. We, we see um, this principle of justification. This is a principle but in a positive form for what does the scripture say Abraham believed God and was counted to him as righteousness Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness counted as righteousness is equivalent to say their sins are forgiven now again why Abraham is counted as righteousness here I I put the bolded uh, word there because he believed this is the critical element i'm going to introduce today for justification now we established if in order to get the real blessings you have to have your sins forgiven or you have to be counted as righteousness but how can we be counted as righteousness we said that's the belief but in what way as you can see here with a double quotation marks Um, It's a quotation from Genesis chapter 15. Now I invited you to go to Genesis chapter 15 to have a further look. In Genesis chapter 15, um, we read the story when God appeared to Abraham. Um, Who is Abraham? Uh, I forgot to mention that. Um, Abraham was a man God called from a a place called Ur of Chalde. He left this place, and he went to a place where God directed them to, which is the land of Canaan. And he went there with his wife and his nephew Lot. What's so special about Abraham is he is a faithful man. But, you know, unfortunately, his wife, Sarah, is barren, could not have children, and he himself is an old man. However, God led them to this land. And give him a promise that this land will give to his offspring so this is really really um, triggers him that he, he looked forward to this promise even though he hasn't got his son and this is the context of this conversation so God again appeared to Abraham saying I'm your, pro- I'm your protection I will, um, I will be your shield But Abraham remembered that promise so vividly. He he kept asking God, Where is thy seed? Now I haven't been given any children. So my servant Eliezer, uh, who is from Damascus, he will be my heir. He will inherit everything I get, because you know he is the the offspring you promised. But here in verse 5 we read, uh, sorry, verse 4. And behold, the word of Yahweh. Uh, came to him. This man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. And he brought him outside the, outside, and said, Look toward heaven and number the stars. If you are able to number them, then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. So it must be a a, a warm weather. Abraham was led outside the tent ask him to look upon heaven. If he can number the number of stars in heaven, then that will be the same number of his um, descendants. So that's an offspring. Not only Abraham will have a son, but also he will have many, many children, so many that he cannot number um, because it's like the the number of stars in heaven. You see here, Abraham, he believed Yahweh, and he counted it to him as righteousness. So that it is the faith of Abraham, and because of that faith, Abraham was counted as righteousness. This is the justification by faith. We know this principle. There are two camps. Some sin, but God is righteous. Righteous. And um, one side is wrong, one side, one side is right. Sin leads to death, and the righteous leads to life. In order to solve that sin, we have to be justified by, by faith. We believe in God, then we be counted uh, righteousness. So that's the principle um, someone can be justified. You notice that this verse 6 is a comment or compliment to Abraham's faith. But that verse is not just for him. Let's come back to Romans chapter four. Because here we were were told that this wonderful principle of justification by faith is not just for Abraham's sake alone. We read from verse 23. But the words it was counted to him were not written for his sake alone, but for ours also. It will be counted to us who believe in him, who raised from the dead Jesus our Lord, who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. So you see here, this, this justification by faith, this principle is not just for Abraham alone. Anyone who has the same faith, believe that Jesus has been raised by God, share the same faith as Abraham, then we can be also justified uh, to be um, counted as righteousness. Any other proof? Let's have a look on this verse. Genesis chapter 13 verse 14 to 15. This is a promise from God again to Abraham, but this time is is promised to Abraham and his offspring I'll read that for you Yahweh said to Abraham after Lot had separated from him lift lift up your your eyes and look from the place where you are northward southward and eastward and, and westward for all the land that you see I will give to you and to your offspring forever if you like me, you may like to color in those four elements in this verse. So all the land obviously indicates this is a promise on earth. And to you, that is given to Abraham. We will deal with what this offspring is in a minute. But you see, forever refers to this possession has to be an everlasting possession. But you notice something, something strange here. Abraham has died thousands of years ago, but he hasn't received this promise. So in order for this promise to become true, there will have to be a resurrection for Abraham to be able to live again, then receive this promise. Not only so, he has to be given the immortality to be able to possess this land forever. You see, even though this resurrection and immortal life hasn't been mentioned clearly in the Old Testament, but it's implied in the Old Testament in many places. Um, What is this, your, your offspring? In the chapter we read today, in Galatians chapter 3, verse 16, we read, Now the promises were made to Abraham and to his offspring. He does not say unto your offspring, referring to many, but referring to one, and to your offspring, uh, who is Christ. You see this is a comment to what we just read in Genesis chapter thirteen. So this offspring refers to Jesus Christ and, um, and that's, that 's that's saying the promise is given to Abraham and Jesus Christ forever. So we will see in the kingdom. Um, Abraham and Jesus being resurrected and given the immortality. Well, Jesus has already been raised and given the immortality. Again, while well, this is really beautiful promise, what does it have to, to, have to do with us? Um, can we be part of it? The answer is certainly. We just read that in Galatians 3 in, at the end of that chapter, which is really the crescendo of this argument, and we can read them again in start from uh, verse 26 for in Christ Jesus you are all sons of God through faith for as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ there is neither Jew nor Greek there is neither slave nor free there is uh, no male and female for you are all one in Christ Jesus and if you are Christ then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs, according to his promise. You see here, by faith, we're believing God and getting baptized into Jesus Christ. Then we become like Abraham. We have the same faith as he did, and we become Abraham's offspring. And because if we are Abraham's offspring, then we are part of that beautiful promise Um, to possess the land forever. And you see, this is a really, really encouraging verse. And it doesn't matter what race or nationality you come from, either Chinese or Australian, um, your social status or even your gender is irrelevant. What really matters is that faith because that faith makes us share um, and in Christ as one and because we are one in Christ then we are the offspring of Abraham the heirs according to the promise after knowing that what shall we do still in Acts uh, when Peter preached in the Pentecost this is what he said in 37 now when they heard this um, they were cut to the heart and said to the and said to peter and the rest of the apostles brothers what shall we do and peter said to them repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of jesus christ for the forgiveness of your sin of your sins and you will receive the gift of the holy spirit and another place before jesus ascended to the heaven he told his disciples to preach the gospel and what, what he, did he expect uh, people to respond to this gospel? Let's read in verse 15 to 16 of Mark, chapter 16. And he said to them, go into the world and pro- proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Whoever believes and is, bep- is baptized will be saved. And by what, what uh, and b- but whoever uh, does not believe will be condemned. You see here those two verses we need to be baptized we need to believe and be baptized to be to be able to include in this um, promise and the critical element of that action is faith it's belief because the faith is the foundation of God's salvation it's make the principle of justification by faith workable and Faith is so important. Faith is the substance of things um, not we hoped for and the, things, um, the evidence of things we have not seen. Without faith, it is, it is impossible to please God. I just love flowchart. Um, I'm a programmer. I like to um, make things uh, clear. So we know this problem um, we want to address the death, which is the symptom of this problem. But the real problem is the disbelief. What shall we do? The Bible says we need to repent, to de- develop this faith. And instead of, instead of following the fleshly th- uh, desires, what will last, we need to follow the spirit of God. And because we believe, God will count it us as righteousness. And that righteousness will finally bring us, uh, brings forth life we know this is the principle of justification by faith and we also know that jesus is the first fruit that followed this process and has been raised up and given the immortality in the future when he returns all who belongs to him who believe in him will be will be included in this wonderful promise This is the last verse I want to share, and it also has the key word, gospel. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. It is written, the righteous shall live by faith. The Gospel is the power of God, and it can save us from sin and death. It can transform us from the following evil to become the followers of good, but it requires a development. In this process, the righteousness is revealed from faith, our initial immature little faith, to the faith, the great faith of God. Which is demonstrated in Jesus Christ. And I know I talked a lot about the kingdom, the wonderful kingdom, there's no death and resurrection, immortal life. This all sounds too good to be true. But we have reasoned Um, the death is but a symptom of this problem of disbelief. And we know God has this power to reverse this um, desperate process Uh, if we believe then we can be um, included in the, the wonderful good news that has, God has preached to this world. This is for uh, the young people. I thought um, maybe just demonstrate how I take notes. So uh, we will go through again what we have learned today. God's good news to the world. Firstly, we establish these two premises, God exists and Bible is the inspired Word of God God's, new, uh, God's good news is the gospel It's the good tiding good message to the whole mankind but we know there are two halves of this element uh, of this uh, concept is the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ the kingdom of God is a wonderful place to live there will be no hunger the, the environment will be totally restored and there will be universal justice and there will be worldwide peace, no, no more war, even a place to learn to make war And there will be no more sorrow, no more pain, no more diseases, no more death And Jesus' name means Yah shall save Christ means He is anointed He is the chosen one to perform this salvation to everyone who believes in Him And what are we saved from? Um, We know this desperate situation, we have desires, then we follow the desires to sin, and the consequence of that sin is death. But Jesus has conquered this sin, and by his perfect obedience of faith, and he can also save anyone who believes in him. The gospel in Galatians, we we were told that it is the gospel preached to Abraham beforehand, "...in you shall all nations be blessed." No matter what, what country you come from, no matter what your, um, national, or your social status or even your gender, it doesn't really matter. Being blessed means that your sins are forgiven or you're counted as righteousness. The principle of this justification is faith. You have to have this faith to develop, um, to be, uh, develop this rel- relationship with God, and then God, by His grace, will justify us. Faith leads to righteousness and righteousness will lead us to the eternal life what shall we do we need to learn the gospel like what we do today and we need to develop our faith and then we repent be baptized to um, follow the example of our our lord jesus christ develop our faith our little immature faith to his great faith And then finally, we can become the Abraham's offspring in one Jesus. We share that faith and we can become the children of God. Now, at the end of this talk, I want to address you back to um, these two foundations. I know some of you may still exploring or looking. I've been there too. I want to guarantee you that um, what we have discussed today um, you can examine this. This is a very logical deduction to this conclusion What we now need to focus are those two premises Once we establish those two premises, you will draw the same conclusion Yes, I know the wonderful kingdom the resurrection. They all sound so supernatural But you do realize God is powerful is supernatural it meant to be special <clears throat> And so that's, that's the message I want to pass you. Don't be limited by our imagination because the person we are dealing with is a wonderful God of the creator of the universe. So he has the power to create. He also has the power to save, to resurrect and give the immort- immort- immortality. Um, I guess at the end, I just want to say um, may God bless every one of you uh, in this journey to learn about you, to get to know him, to learn about him, to get to know him, to believe in him, to love him, and finally to be like him. Thank you very much.